This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Maybe the greatest World Cup final ever played has just completed, and Lionel Messi comes out the winner after a 3-3 draw goes to penalty kicks and Argentina defeats the returning champions, France, for Lionel Messi's first World Cup win and likely last as a player. What is up, everyone? Welcome to It's Called Soccer. I am Jake. I'm a UEFA C licensed coach, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, a soccer stats nerd and future doctorate candidate of something I don't understand. Tom, how are you? What is up, man? Oh my gosh, dude. I'm great. I am still reeling. That was one of the craziest games I've ever watched. I just got back from the bar. My heart's still, I think, pounding a little bit. That was exciting. (laughs) So just before getting on to recording, you said that this was the best, maybe the best soccer game of all time, not just World Cup, not Champions League, not anything. Why Why do you say that? I mean, it just had everything, you know, great technical goals, dramatic finish late, France sort of tying it up late to force extra time, two goals in the last 15 minutes, a few penalty kicks, a penalty kick shootout, saves in the penalty kick shootout. It was just every, everything that you could have asked for happened in that game. It was maximum chaos. Although game... maybe not maximum chaos because the 2021 <laughs> Nations League final did happen. But, <laughs> True. But... <laughs> It's about as much chaos as you're going to get from a World Cup final, which was fantastic. I'm, I'm smiling hearing you talk about this because up until about the 70th minute, this game was pretty much done, set, and over for Argentina after going up 2-0. So what did you see throughout the game that, you know, there was so much momentum changes throughout. Argentina goes up 2-0. They kind of sit back starting around the 60th minute. France takes advantage. They even substituted two of their attacking players in the 41st minute of the first half because just nothing was working. So overall throughout the game, like what did, what was the bar scene like? What were you thinking? Dude, I was, I was sitting next to a guy who was cheering for France just for maximum chaos. And he got exactly what he was looking for, which was the maximum chaos that he could possibly get with Messi still winning the world cup, I think. And he was happy with that. But the whole thing was just back and forth. Like, Half the bars cheering for Argentina, half the bars cheering for France. Every time the momentum swings, like things get crazy. Um, it was really a game of tale of two 60 minute periods, though. It really, like, halftime, if it had come at 60 minutes and the things had played out the exact same, we would have thought great halftime adjustments by Deschamps to make it a good game. But yeah, it was. I think you have to talk about those attacking substitutions. I think you have to talk about Di Maria being substituted out. Um, the midfield changes that sort of let France get into the game uh, after McAllister just sort of ran wild on them for most of the first half. Messi and Mbappe both putting in all-time performances. There's just, there's so much to like about the game and how it played out and the tactical battles that sort of played out as well. Yeah, so maybe let's start with these starting 11s for both teams. And you mentioned Di Maria, Angel Di, Di Maria, he was a surprise inclusion in the starting 11 for Argentina. 
And some even thought he was going to play on the right to help with that Kylian Mbappe side and let Messi roam free. But we didn't see that. Argentina still played in their 4-3-3. They got the ball out to Angel Di Maria with ease. And Di Maria, has to be said, just took on Jules Koundé over and over and over again. And having the ball on that side of the pitch as well kept it as far away as possible from Kylian Mbappe. And Argentina was just playing at a different speed, at a different level for that first half especially. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sport betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source of all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, and obviously the best sport in the world, soccer. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. And a lot of it goes to the play of Angel Di Maria. I mean, both of those first goals were just incredible. I think that counterattack, though, that second one, just that was beauty. That was, that was such elegance on the pitch. One, two touch from everybody. Perfect vision, perfect execution from front to ah, back, back to front, I guess I should say. Seven touches, six players, and in the net. I don't think that you can run a better counterattack than that. It was just, it was Jogo Benito. It was, it was the beautiful <laughs> game for like 65 minutes from Argentina. It was amazing to watch. I, I was having the time of my life watching them just sort of play keep away from France. And France couldn't do anything about it because their midfield was just non-existent. Yeah. And you mentioned McAllister as well. I thought he could have had a man of the match performance. He was incredible. The Brighton man. I feel like he's about to get a big payday or a big transfer no matter what in the next six months, whether it's January or the summer. There are a lot of players on on this Argentinian team that are going to make big money after this. Even players like Julian Alvarez, who is on Manchester City but not getting playing time because he's playing behind Erling Haaland, he's, he's got to make, I mean, he's made a name for himself throughout this World Cup. And yeah. at this point, he needs to be making a little bit more noise for one of the best club teams in the world. Now, yeah. Tom, when we were talking about our analysis before the match in our last episode, we were going through how we expected the teams to set up, how the game was going to go. And I feel like the game didn't necessarily go how anyone expected, not just the two of us. So no. where do you feel like that disconnect was? I don't know. I, I think the big thing that we were sort of talking about pregame was, you know, how do you ha- stop Messi? How do you stop Mbappe? And sort of the answer for both teams was, let's just go down the other side. <laughs> let's just sort of avoid that side of the field completely, um, which is why Messi sort of play or why Argentina goes with Di Maria down that left-hand side and attacks Kunde. Um, it's why there were DePaul is shifted over with Molina and they're just sort of bracketing Mbappe the entire first half. It was just sort of great game plan to sort of scheme Messi and Mbappe out of the game for about 60 minutes until all hell broke loose and you, you're not going to contain them forever. So yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's just, I think we, ex- I expected at least it to be for sort of a very cagey game, but both teams just sort of sort of decided to open it up and go for it, which is sort of rare in a final, and you just love to see it. 
Yeah, I thought it was a bit cagey, but more one-sided. And yeah. in that first 60 minutes, Argentina was first to every ball. They were, every time they fouled France, you could tell there was an energy and an aggression that went in Argentina's favor, whether yeah. it was kind of lording over the player, you know, on the field that was bogged down. But it just felt like Argentina had this energy and the pressure of the moment was giving them that energy to go forward. Now, I we do need to say 2-0 up around the 60, 65th minute, Argentina kind of switches their game plan to stop trying to take advantage of that space that Kylian Mbappe leaves behind, stops trying to play a little bit higher up the pitch and closes out the game. That doesn't go so well. <laughs> Kylian Mbappe comes back, gets a penalty, uh, scores an incredible goal as well. The 1-2 pass at the top of the box that he finishes to make it 2-2. So what what was the thinking then from Argentina, do you think, to kind of close up shop around that 60th minute? Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the thought was behind that. I think it was sort of the same school of thought of the Greg Berhalter approach to these last couple of games that we played at the World Cup where, you know, you don't have the energy to press for 90 minutes. You don't really have the energy to play possession for 90 minutes. At some point, your legs are going to fall off. So you might as well sort of conserve that energy by dropping back a little bit. We know that Di Maria's legs were going to fall off at some point. And once they do, that's a liability. So, you know, yank him off the field. I'm not sure I agree to go with the back five and, and put two left backs in the field instead of, you know, just going for it and putting an extra midfielder in. But I, I think it had to be an energy, energy conservation thing, right? Yeah, I mean, Argentina has played an extra time in this World Cup. They had to get through the Netherlands in a, a penalty kick shootout as well in the round of eight. And... For Argentina, I think, you know, Messi isn't going to run the entire time, although I was surprised at points him tracking back and giving that extra burst of, of his motor. But yeah, for me, I think it was probably something to do with energy conservation. I also think that at times trying to park the bus and close up shop and become a little less aggressive is the better is the better choice to give yourself a better chance at the right outcome, which is Argentina winning. Yeah. Obviously, in the moments when France comes back or when it you know goes against the United States and we're fans of that team, we can point at that specific instance as being the time that it went wrong. But I also want to say like it's not always the wrong choice to go a little bit more defensive because hey, if Argentina hangs on and even if they win two one, we're all get, or they score another on the counter, we're all sitting here saying that was a genius move. But at the end of the day, it's not. France gets back into it. Their first goal, the penalty that they had, kind of comes out of nowhere. Their first, you know, touches in the Argentinian box and the Argentinian defender drags the French attacker down. Tom, at 2-1 then, what is the thinking? Are you, we only had about a minute and a half until Kylian Mbappe gets the second, but are you starting to see the momentum shift in the game? Yeah. Oh, at that point, Argentina was sort of reeling and they really didn't have an they needed something to do, happen to settle them down, and they just didn't get that. And there was just sort of a scramble drill in the midfield that causes the second goal. So I think if they had sort of figured out how to sort of get back into it, maintain their shape, and you know get back to defending, they might have been able to sneak it out. But as it were, Argentina's had already been struggling to deal with the introduction of Camavinga into the game. Um, and actually, Camavinga's play was fantastic all game long. Yeah. So um, props to him. But then you get that goal that comes against you when you're already struggling to deal with the addition of Camavinga 
and all of a sudden it's just sort of madness on the field. You get a sort of scramble drill second goal that sort of leaves Mbappe wide open. So, yeah, I just think it's a, a lost focus, a little bit of we got hit in the mouth and we're not sure what to do type of mentality that just sort of caught Argentina out. Yeah, and I think going into extra time, anytime you're up 2-0 with 10 minutes left and mm. the other team storms back, we talked about this being a game of momentum that has to hurt. That has to feel like France has the edge in extra time. I'm I'm just sitting here feeling like Argentina, that was the second time that that happened in the tournament, in the quarterfinal against the Netherlands. The exact same thing happened. The, the Netherlands came back from 2-0 down. They scored with one of the last kicks in regulation time. And Argentina was still able to fend them off in extra time and get through on penalties. In this game, World Cup final, everything's written. You know, Messi is going on to win his first World Cup. And then, bing, boom, France gets two, and we're going to extra time. At least my feeling was this is France's game to lose at that point because they have all the momentum. They had the attacking players on the field. Argentina had all the players to be set up in a way that was more defensive, which wasn't how they had played their best throughout the game. And then we go into extra time, and the unexpected happens again, that Messi gets another goal. Argentina is able to push through an attack. Messi gets through, scores. And Argentina had the better chances in that extra time. But anytime you say Kylian Mbappe is going to have a hat trick, you have to expect that France is going to win. This game just had everything. But talk to me a little bit about the extra time for you. Yeah, I, I for me, I thought, you know, there's only one sub that's come on. We're sort of screaming for a sub at the bar through the entire last 10 minutes of regulation. It just sort of felt like if Argentina could hold on for extra time, that they were going to be able to regroup and get back in it. And that's exactly what they did was sort of, Get an extra defender on there. I think they subbed Montiel on for Molina, which is a really great sub. Um, then, you know, just sort of regain your shape, regain your composure and try again. And, you know, that was exactly what happened. They were able to get some subs on the field throughout extra time. They were able to just sort of adjust to the France defensive shape, adjust to Camavinga man-marking Messi and really punish France every time they got forward, which France sort of smelled blood in the water and they knew they could get forward and get some chances at that point. And Argentina made them pay. Yeah. Uh, and you know, going into penalties, Emmy Martinez is strong in that area. Mm -hmm. Hugo Lloris before the game made comments about him not being strong in penalties. And I didn't know if that was mind games or not, but it turned out to be the case that Emmy Martinez had the advantage over Hugo Lloris. Before we get to penalties though, I just want to say Emmy Martinez made an insane save with one of the last kicks of the game. France has one of the best chances of the game. It's a good shot. It has to be said And Emmy Martinez spreads out, makes a kick save that has to be save of the tournament. Is it not? That was ridiculous i do not know how he made that save it is the clutchest goalkeeper save you will ever see in your life fantastic and it really contrasts on the other end with lataro martinez not being able to find the back of the net if you know you pointed yep. like dragged him there and like stuck him in front of the goal and <laughs> gave him a free shot <laughs> so no it was fantastic all around from emmy martinez he had a great game there's not even on the penalties he got a hand on a couple of them like he was yeah fantastic throughout so you know, fair play to him. It was a great performance and a really clutch moment to keep that game at 3-3. Yeah, and honestly, watching penalties after Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi both hit theirs, I'm kind of like, all right, 
I'm good with whatever happens from here. Yeah. I don't have to feel bad about Messi or Mbappe feeling the pressure of missing a, a penalty in the World Cup final. Mm-hmm. But Argentina takes it through. Their penalties are excellent. Dybala, who came on with a few minutes left. I never liked that, by the way. I was talking to my wife as Dybala steps up. He's put in the game with three minutes left to go until they get to penalties. He's there to take and make a penalty. It's one of his first touches of the ball. It, it's just too much pressure with the freshness. I feel like it never goes right, but it did for Argentina in this instance. Mm-hmm. And again, Emmy Martinez makes some saves. He gets in the mind. Uh, I think it was Camavinga who missed it wide left. It was That's too many. <laughs> too many. Okay. Yeah, their many. other midfielder. He, he's walking up to take that penalty and Emmy Martinez has the ball in his hands. As soon as he gets to the penalty spot, Emmy Martinez throws it away and makes Chimeni go get it. And that to me just threw off the concentration. It was just everything went right for Argentina in that moment. But again, I just felt like the pressure was on them. France had all the momentum. What, what were you thinking was going to happen in that penalty shootout? I, I kind of felt the same way once we got there. Although... The guy sitting next to me was, you know, shouting that it's Yuri, and if you just put the ball on frame, he's not going to save it, which ended up being kind of prophetic. So, <laughs> um, it, I, I guess Emmy Martinez is kind of a cheat code when it comes to penalty kicks, and, you know, I keep thinking that he can't do it again after so many great international performances in big moments in penalty kick shootouts, and he keeps coming up with save after save after save. I think three against Chile – Last year, the Copa America, three against the Dutch and one in this one. So, and a hand on a couple others. So, yeah, he's he's fantastic. And, you know, having a goalkeeper who can get in the mind of the opponents and can really disrupt a penalty kick shootout is really just a yeah. huge advantage. And Argentina was clinical. They took their chances. And France sort of let the moment get to them a little bit. Yeah. Before I ask you about what this means for Messi, what this means for the world of soccer to have potentially the greatest player of all time, get his World Cup win. I want to ask you about the manager of Argentina because we're about to enter a new cycle for all national teams. We're hearing Gareth Southgate in England will stay on to manage them throughout the next four years. Us in the United States are waiting with bated breath to hear if Greg Berhalter will continue as the U.S. coach or if we'll do another search and try to find a new coach. The Argentinian coach had never coached a senior squad before taking on this team and he takes them to a world cup final. Is that a a notice to all other federations in the world that you do not need the, the most experienced or the most glorified coach to get you to the world cup final? Is this a notice to every other federation? I I think it absolutely is. I think all along you have to sort of know that international soccer is not a club soccer team. It's not running it. And this has been my big complaint with Burhalter the entire time has been running a national team as if it's a club team and trying to implement a system and trying to implement these really confusing tactics. is just not going to work. What matters is understanding your team, being a great player motivator, great man manager, and, you know, making the most of the three weeks you get every few months. And Scaloni has done that. Amazingly, he brings Dybala back into the fold. He introduces young players like Alvarez. He gets Messi to unretire and come back and play, which is a huge deal. Like he was truly the best man at motivating a really talented Argentina squad to, you know, play their best. And that's really what the national international game is all about. It's a very, very different thing from being a good club manager. Yeah, absolutely. So Messi has now his regional confederation tournament 
win. He has a World Cup win. He has Champions League wins under his belt. He has scored 90-plus times in a calendar year. Is Messi the greatest player of all time? And after the game ended, you saw what it meant to not just Messi, but all of the fans, the team, the staff. Talk to me a little bit about what you were feeling in the bar watching. I, I There's nothing else to say, but that's it. That's that's the end of it, right? You you can't make that debate anymore. It's Messi's locked it up. I think He's, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even before the penalty kick shootout, you have to sort of see Messi willing his team there, scoring a crazy goal in extra time, burying a clutch penalty kick in regulation. I, I just don't see an argument for anyone else moving forward. Mbappe might get there, but the way Messi plays the game is just so unreal. And I just, I feel so good that he finally gets it and we can sort of put this conversation to bed. I don't Mbappe know. Are you feeling sort of the another, same way? Yeah. I mean, Mbappe could get there, but he needs another 15 years of staying healthy and prolific as he is to, to get to Messi's level. I, we talked about this on the last episode and I think it rings true today is just Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo to some extent took the conversation of the best player in the world to a different level and to dominate for so long in club football, in national team football, it just makes me feel like Messi has to be the greatest of all time. And not just because of his play, but because of how he's changed the conversation. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's not just scoring goals. It's creating goals. It's the sort of stuff that he does to, you know, make these disguised passes and intelligent runs and, He's not just sort of this physical freak of nature scoring goals. He sort of can do it all offensively on the field, which is really rare, even for these, you know, best of all time candidates. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Tom, take us out then. Final thoughts on the game and on Argentina winning their third World Cup ever. Messi's first. I mean, dude, it's just a great tournament. Like excitement all the way through one of the best, if not the best finals of all time, one of the best games that we'll ever see, probably second best to the CONCACAF Nations League last year. So, you know, it's just an amazing way to end the World Cup. It's a storybook ending for Argentina. You know, France will be back. I I, I feel like that's a really talented squad. Um, but yeah, I just, the storylines are all there right now. The Morocco hero run, the Croatia run, the Argentina sort of storybook ending to all of it after losing their first game, you know, France sort of getting there despite all the odds, England going out in the most England way possible. I mean, great group stages. I am just feeling pretty glad that this world cup happened the way it did, you know, yeah, pretty I grateful agree. to have experienced it. It's kind of like take, take everything for what it is. The product on the field was incredible. This was one yeah. of the best tournaments in memory for me. And no matter where it was played, the soccer that we were able to watch was awesome. And in another week, Boxing Day, English Premier League returns. All of yep. the top five leagues will be back in action soon. Except the Bundesliga. The, the Bundesliga will take a winter break like they usually do <laughs> at this time. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good that we got to see some incredible games over the last month. The final ended how I had predicted from the start in Argentina <laughs> win. But Otherwise, just like you said, the group stages, the knockout rounds, even the U.S. performance was great to follow and to watch. It didn't end the way that we wanted to, but there were so many good moments. And for me as a fan, as a neutral, as a U.S. fan, everything went about as well as you could have expected it to. 
meeting the expectations there. Lionel Messi gets his first World Cup victory and cements his place as the greatest of all time. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to start pointing that out as fact. And yeah, we get to see club soccer come back in a few weeks, which there's no break for these players. The -hmm. summer will come again where we will have Nations League and other tournaments. We will have the two youth World Cups next summer. The Women's World Cup will be in Australia in the summer. Um, the Olympics in 2024. So it does not end here. Um, Copa America. Copa America. The next time we get on a podcast time and in the next few days, we'll be able to kind of get everyone back in. We'll, we'll go through where all of the leagues stand, where all of the USMNT mm-hmm. players are at right now, who might be available in that January transfer window. Maybe some people that have risen their stock throughout the World Cup, but that, w- that will be next up. I think for now, I just want to, give the space and give the platform to Lionel Messi in Argentina for winning the World Cup in 2022. Everyone that is watching or listening, I just want to thank you again for making this tournament special for us, whether it was following the USMNT episodes or these quarterfinal, semifinal, and final episodes. We really appreciate you so much. All of the new Patreons and channel members that have supported us in addition financially, that is amazing. So welcome to all of those if you want to join and support us financially because of the extra work that we put in independently covering soccer and American soccer, you can find those links to the description in the description below. I just want to say thank you, but Tom, take us out. What do you want to say? Thank you as well. I'm, I'm so glad that we got to you know chat through this World Cup. It's been an incredible tournament, incredible experience, and can't wait to see where things go next. Awesome. All right. The only other thing I'll say is uh, Tom and I will be at the United Soccer Coaches Convention January 11th in Philadelphia. So if you do want to meet us or attend any of the great events that are going to be at that convention, tickets are still available and we will be there to see you. Otherwise, we'll see you next time on It's Called Soccer to get you ready and started for the return of club soccer. We'll see you next time. Peace. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.